Hey everybody, this is Belgarian and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgarian series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 17. This season we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter 16. My name is Sondra Turnbull. I am the director of the Goddess Kindled Universe. I'm a teacher of esoteric divine feminine stuff and a fantasy author. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I'm Alicia Seymour, also a fantasy author and doing some other awesome things right now with um, trading and publishing, I, I suppose. <laughs> Mm -hmm. on the verge so mm -hmm. oh yeah welcome to another show everybody we uh i'm looking forward to this chapter discussion because alicia was just saying and before the show she remembered the chapter that we were going to talk about and got all animated and excited so i think this will be a nice conversation yeah it was it was really good chapter i was like that now we're getting to my speed on what I like in fantasy. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We're into proggy now. I'm getting deeper in more characters and interesting stuff and mis mysteries and mm -hmm. it's good. Yeah. All right. So well, let's do Pogara's cup. What's in your potion this week? Uh, my cup is chamomile tea. I've just had a really relaxing week overall. Uh, I have been doing, I enrolled in a little course to learn how to trade in cryptocurrency and I've been studying that a lot. It's been really interesting. Like, I really like the community. They have a very good vibe about them. So I really like just being and even just watching the teachers on the videos. They're all in Australia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that probably has some to do with it <laughs> familiar accents <laughs> yeah and so uh there's even that and it's just i've been feeling a lot of great connection this week um with somebody in my life as well as with the universe itself and like my spirit guides i just i've been asking and calling on them a lot and i feel them answering and that's mm -hmm. That's really cool. So, yeah, and this is just this morning, I actually asked them through the angel card deck um, on guidance on how I'm to be of service. And they, the card I pulled is prioritize and uh, a little more explanation into it showed me that to do what lights me up basically. And of course that's writing. And mm -hmm. so if I can just at least schedule time as much as possible for my writing um that everything else will be taken care of because i'll be staying in true alignment with what my real purpose is mm -hmm. so to be of service i need to write is a great answer so that was that made me happy oh my goodness that's like we're paralleling again yeah <laughs> my potion <laughs> is smooth emerald tinted mint hot chocolate. Mm, nice. I've started a year, my yin yoga practice and yeah. it's completely yummy. 
like it's the only way I can describe the way that my body and like I feel um, when I do it, it's just yummy. So I said to, I said to Hanukkah, my wife, uh, a couple of days ago, I feel like I'm being rewarded for writing every day. Like mm. this yummy feeling I get because at the same time that I started writing, like I was talking last week's episode about getting the writing partner. Yeah. She and I getting together, you know, every day mm-hmm. to have a writing session in the mornings. We've been doing that every day. And so I started the yoga at the same time and I've started the yin, like I've done yin yoga at other times, but it's never really, I've never really, I don't know, it hasn't really gelled. It hasn't really um, continued because something would happen. My body would like object or something wasn't right or I just hurt myself a little bit or, and I would stop. But I've been doing it every day, like after work in that transition time between work and home, which is kind of perfect because my office is at home. I work at home. And so it's nice to have that transition between work brain and, you know, home brain. And, um, yeah. and it's, I just, I keep feeling yummy. I'm getting mm-hmm. that lovely, strong feeling in my body that I was missing um, because I had to stop doing yoga because of my hip. And now it's a different kind of exercise. So this, it's the yin yoga gets in and, and re- stretches and works the, or relaxes actually the connective tissue and the ligaments and the, like the bones, everything that's not muscle is what you're working with. And you're actively working to relax the muscles. Yeah. So not have them working. Mm-hmm. And that's really uh, kind of amazing feeling, like getting to know my body so intimately, like really kind of, because like, you hold the poses for minutes and minutes at a time and really kind of soften into all of this connective tissue. And, 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 I, and like I lie there and I realise that, that the muscle's not relaxed. Like I think I'm relaxed, but it's not relaxed. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I kind of go into that muscle and go, you know, just kind of sigh it out almost and let it kind of like, and then I get a little bit more melty and like gravity just yeah. does its thing. And <laughs> it's awesome. I'm really, really enjoying it. And yeah. it's been a, what, a week? At least a mm-hmm. week. And um, yeah. Yeah. I've found my favorite yoga session. It's a 30 minute full body stretch. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes because it's bloody delicious. And if you try it, let me know how you go because oh, <laughs> yum. I really like it. So that's my that's, potion. That's, I think that's everything that I need to put in my potion. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome though. Yeah. Uh, I might try that, that video. Oh, so yeah. All right. What's Gary's view? Um, all right. So they enter the caves of the Olgos, if that's the proper way to say it. And they travel 
deep, deep down into them to find the Gorum. I forget if he has a name, but um, no, that's the, his name. The Gorum, okay. And so uh, they get the first, their first glimpse, for some of them, the first glimpse of the Ogos. It's our first, my first glimpse. And uh, we learn more about their journey and that they've actually come here in search of a diviner was Belgrath's plan. Mm -hmm. So that intrigued me. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's the chapter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when the chapter begins, we're up in the abandoned city and the cave portal, the portal to the caves has opened. So if you can imagine the floor tilts up so that it's like this big yawning mouth and then they have to, Heta has to be really persuasive to get the horses starting to move down this very steep incline um, right. into the darkness of the caves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that whole scene. And then, you know, as they go down, they see these two figures mm. and their faces are shrouded in like a sheer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like a veil. Yeah. Um, and then it's described as the, just beyond them, the chamber that glows faintly with this reddish mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. And I instantly thought of the cover of this book like that's red and i don't i don't oh. think it's the same i don't think it's the same place yet but um, but it, you're right it is a red cover on this version there's there's lots this of version yeah my original well my original set of novels this is not the cover this it's is like, a different cover to the one that yeah. i read when i was first reading it yeah like harry potter lord of the rings they all have like millions of different covers different and it's just the way it's described is very much a dwarf city under the mountain, mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings vibe. Yeah. You know, these massive caverns and open spaces and vaulted ceilings. And, right. Um, although not uh, so formally like carved out as the dwarven cities from the movies that you can like get a visual of yeah. it's just more like uh raw mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's how i saw it yeah they don't really like sculpt and no. and polish and all of that it's just no that's not the impression i get either mm -hmm. and certainly not the way it's described no but it's huge, like massive spaces and tunnels that just keep going and going and going. And it's still, Belgrade says, yeah, they're still discovering new tunnels now and they've been here for, for thousands of years. Yeah. Then they hear this hymn. Yeah, like the chanting. Uh, I like the way it was described. Let me see if I find it. I think this is it. From what seemed infinitely far away, there was a cadence sound of chanting by a chorus of deep male voices. Um, it was the part, oh, here it is. As the last echoes of the chant faded, the chorus began to sing their song, strangely disharmonic 
and in a mournful minor key. Like that, to me, I can almost hear that right there. Exactly. And I love how it the, the, the and the the way um, and then it it the last phrases sort of combine with the the echoes of the first phrases to create this additional kind of layer where it's just going yeah. on and on and on. Um, they described they it how how they do it every hour so that the echo is always just going. Yes, all yep. the time. Yeah. <laughs> And it's uh, when um, we were on a vacation uh, once in Trier, which is in, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, sorry, it's a German city in Germany. Germany. And we were inside a, uh, an old monastery, like a, a cathedral monastery. And we were underneath, you know, where they have the, I don't know the official terminology, but where they have the altar, and then underneath that, there's this little space where, like, the original old, uh, it's like the heart of the original little chapel would have been. Like, it's all carved out and ancient, ancient, ancient with, like, symbols on the walls carved into things. And, oh, fantastic. And so we're sort of underneath there, you know, yeah. exploring. And all of a sudden this chanting starts and they're all these monks, these um, Benedictine, Benedictine monks, I think standing like on top of where we are chanting. And it was just like goosebumps and uh, yeah. the hair stood up on the back of my neck. It was just a phenomenal. It was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I bet. So it's, I get yeah. chills just visualizing that. It gave me chills. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was so amazing. And Hanukkah and I were just stand there looking yeah. at each other. Mm -hmm. <sighs> That's cool. That reminds me of a scene I wrote in my novel, The Wonder Soul. There's a scene mm. very much like that. No, no monks though, but look um, in the show notes for a link to the Wonder Soul people. Uh, yeah so like they're descending down like they they walk out of that corridor and then like they're just looking at this vast cavern and down they're like up mm -hmm. high and looking down and they can't even see the bottom mm -hmm. of the cave mm -hmm. so they start going down and they, that's when they hear the chanting and um it's like so a sort 30 of walking minute around, they're, they're descending around a ledge that runs around the wall of the cabin going down like yeah yeah so they do that for quite a while and uh, i get a bit dizzy when i read that actually it says at some point mm -hmm. in there it says garen sort of looked over the edge he couldn't yeah. see the bottom and then he's like hugged the wall yes <laughs> from then on him and the cult you know going down uh, this, yeah. this huge dark space and every time i read that i feel like a bit ooh, a bit funny in the tummy yeah I don't do well if I'm like up high like that <laughs> but um and then Dernick also is observing the light is strange so he asks where it comes from and you know they actually don't use real light like 
sunlight, obviously, because they're in the cave. They don't have torches. Um, yeah, they don't use fire. Yeah. To light. Mm-hmm. By the sound. Of- so they use um, rock powder. Mm-hmm. You mix the rock powders together and that glows this mm-hmm. red. So two minerals. So- yeah. I wonder if that's a real thing. I'll look that up and make that I my random so. thing. I think it, it is. must be. I think I remember learning about that at, in an archaeology class or something in college. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll look it up for everyone. Yeah. It's a good it's a good setting because with Dernick's observations, you really get a clue of how dim the light is. Even though it's a red glow, it's so like soft and low. It's still, I would just yeah. imagine it's still not easy to really see for them walking through it. Well, was it Dernick that made the comment about, you know, asking what are those things that they've got tied across their eyes? And um, Belgrade said, well, because it was so, it was to protect against the light when they, the portal opened. Mm -hmm. And Dernick said, but it was nearly dark inside that building. And Belgrade said, well, not for an Elgo. It wasn't dark for an Elgo. So you can imagine, so from that, like taking it from an almost dark building for us, almost like no light, going into a place that's darker than that, with a yeah. little light, this <laughs> red light. I, I, I try to imagine that every time. I'm not sure that I've been entirely successful at imagining it, but. I, I feel like I got a good vision of what that would be. Yeah. I don't think I would like it at all, though. I think it would make me not feel well. Like <laughs> yes. my head would feel dizzy. I would start yeah. to feel nauseous, especially being underground. Yeah. That. Well, that and then we discover um, uh, silk. Silk. Silk is particularly sassy in this chapter, mm-hmm. but I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. It was, I like to see um, Silk more prominent a little bit again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's nipping at who is Barak or Hetar, one mm-hmm. of them. Barak. And Hungarian. Because Barak says, because Barak says, oh, I, wish they, he could, I wish they'd changed the song though. Because <laughs> like the song's echoing, echoing, echoing. Yeah, he's like, it's irritating me. And um, Silk gets all sassy and says, oh, you know, be sure to mention it to the first Orgo I pass. You know, they've only been singing it for 5,000 years, but I'm, you know, sure that if we mention it, they'll change it for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. But Garion observes this with Silk. He's like, he's more talkative than usual, but I have a feeling it's because he's nervous because he doesn't like being you know, under all these rocks. And then Garion realizes maybe he's the same way mm-hmm. and starts to suddenly not feel too well being under all of that yeah. weight. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been underground so far, like like deep, deep underground where I can kind of feel what that, I can't imagine it properly. Because I mean, like the air pressure would be different, the yeah. the energy would be different. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would love it. I have a feeling that I would that I would actually be okay. See, I, my head is it gets messed with easily with changes in air pressure. 
Okay. I just going up the mountain when we go camping, Girl Scout camp. I always feel just a little bit like this isn't quite right. I feel balanced. So I could only imagine being under that far. It'd probably be worse. Probably. Well, yeah, it wouldn't. I wonder if the sensation is different. Does anybody know? Anyone listening at the top have a comparison between like maybe going up an airplane or up in up on a high mountain? Then, have you been underground? You know, in the opposite direction. Can you tell us about your experience? Yeah. But yeah, they talk though that all goes are short. The men that they've come across so far are short with big bulky shoulders. Mm, and their eyes okay. look almost black. Yeah, big dark eyes and pale hair and skin. Mm-hmm. That would be almost a little a little terrifying, I would. But, you know, I think I've watched too many uh, horror movies that I, I visualize that. I can't think of where it is, but I've seen it. Oh, maybe it's in The Witcher. No, you've seen The Witcher. Uh-huh. Is it? I don't know, but I feel like I've seen some kind of creature like that that's pale with those dark eyes. and But they are, it wasn't a good creature. Like, these guys aren't. Okay. Aren't no, so these are just harmful. people. They're just people. Yeah. Who don't get to go out in the sun. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. Um, I was just going to mention the part with Silk observing that they were going in a circle. Uh-huh. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. That's fine. And um, Belgrath mentions that there's a cavern they want to avoid because it's really unstable and the slightest sound could bring down the the roof yeah so i think that that comment is really what sets silk and gary's nerves off finally yeah, to be yes yeah, so because they'll slight no, no please don't go into any more detail old friend it's it's fine it's shh, shh. Mm-hmm. and it's sort of and that's yeah you're right that's where gary observes that he's talking more than usual yeah but they get where they're trying to go, or up where mm-hmm. Belgrath's leading them. So they enter now a small cavern with a clear lake, a glass clear lake at the center. I love this scene. <laughs> Don't you love this scene? I do. And I'll tell you, I remind you were saying about the the dwarfs from Lord of the Rings kind of mountains. This scene reminded me of Gollum's cave a little bit because it's the lake really and then Gollum's little place is at the center of the lake it's not quite described as serenely as this but I still no. I still had the same kind of sense of like okay maybe he got his inspiration from that maybe not but. I don't know I see like it's a because like it's not a deep lake it's a shallow lake and you can see the gravel it's a little, like white gravel at the bottom of the lake yeah mm-hmm. and so it's very so it's like this just this it looks so beautiful in my head and then they there's a causeway out of this white gravel which is just like you know what a causeway is it's, it's like a place in the it's a place through the water that has a raised like the the gravel is raised so that you're not going to get wet you can cross it 
into the to this is it it's so is it a is it a it's a house in the middle like a big house or buildings an island rose from the center of the lake and on the island stood a building constructed of the same curiously pyramidal shape as the buildings in the ruined city far above okay so there's a building and then the building is surrounded by a ring of columns and there are benches it says uh, from white stone so i see all this white like this white gravel white stone white buildings and these big globes of that cure that glowing glowing crystal globes oh suspended on long chains from the ceiling yeah it looks beautiful <laughs> i wonder if in this room it still has the red glow too or it's just all lit up by the white now huh no well it says glowing crystal globes uh their light while still faint is noticeably brighter than that in the galleries through which they passed mm. but it doesn't say anything about the color so it must still be that would make everything pink <laughs> it would that would be strange oh my goodness i never thought about that before it's not what is pink because of the glow from the from the rock light mm -hmm. Oh, hashtag. That's a hashtag. Rock light. Someone write that down. Uh, Hang on, I'll just do that. Okay. So when they get, uh, they will go across and Belgarath greets the Gorum speaking in that old language. I want you to say it and see if it sounds the same as in my head. Oh, like God. all that greeting. I don't even try to attempt it in my head. You want me to God, say it out loud? Just for fun. Oh, well, he, uh, he says, is, okay, so this is the Goram, Yadho Balgrath, Groja'ul. Yadho Groja'ul. Yeah, I've never said that out loud before in my entire life. Yadho Groja'ul. If anybody wants to send in a voice message with your version, I'm going to put that on the show. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like something you'd hear in Star Wars, huh? Like the yeah, yeah, yes, like I, like um. Like oh. When they go into their taverns and those creatures are like jabbering to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Even Jabba the Hutt saying jabbering, but I think yeah, it's his, it's his language when he speaks in his language. Mm -hmm. I don't know the names of them. Sorry, but may never. Yeah, so that's like the formal greeting. And they go across and Belgarath and the Gorham um, are old friends by the look of it. They greet each other really warmly and in a brotherly kind of fashion. And the Gorham greets Polgara really lovingly. They embrace really warmly. So they know, they know each other. They are friends. Yeah. And I like how Gary and... I liked Garion's observation of him. He's, that it's that basically the description of him. He had long silvery hair and a beard. His hair was his robe, and his robe was snowy white. There was a kind of saintly serenity about him that Garion felt immediately, and the boy knew, without knowing how he knew, that he was approaching a holy man, perhaps the holiest on earth. Yeah, Gagarin is one of my favorite characters. He's just like, oh. 
<laughs> Makes me feel good. Yeah. So they agree that they'll speak in their language so that everybody can understand. And he has them come inside for yep. some food and drink. Yep. This is where they start talking about some stuff that mm-hmm. I don't know much about. So all right. I, I think I'm not meant to know it all yet, but Belgarath asks the Gorm if the child has come yet. And the Gorm says no. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the child is? I don't know. Based on the context of the rest of the what they're talking about. I, I, I didn't. Do you want me to? Do you want me to? So yeah. in this chat, they're, so they're talking about the child that's coming, and before they enter into this conversation, Garion notices that the Gorm's eyes are different to different color to all of the other orgos that they've met Mm -hmm. they're kind of a really deep blue almost violet color and so they talk about the wedding for the child and the gorms is getting tired there's uh, this unrest in the um in some of the tribe some of the orgo tribes he's been there far too long been there 300 years too long and is still waiting for the child so you know, Olga needs a new Gorum. So the the uh, the child will be the new Gorum. And they will know that the child has arrived because his eyes, the, or her eyes, the Gorum's eyes, the child's eyes will stay blue. So they're born with the blue eyes and then they fade to dark after a few days. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, know that it's not the chosen, the next Gorum. So that's what they're waiting for. Does that... Does that help? Yeah, I got all of that. Oh, okay. So what is it that you don't get? No, I was just saying I don't know who the child is. Like I don't don't know. I don't know the significance of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the significance is that the child will be the new Gorum. Okay. The way they talk about it, you know, Belgrass, like, well, all still has work for you, and his ways are not our ways. This time, all this time in a different way. So, uh, Garam is very accepting and kind of, you know, tired but at peace. Yeah, you know, with the situation. And they 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 go and they, they sit down for dinner, and there's a a drink that's kind of warms them up. Like it sounds sounds almost like a liqueur, mm-hmm. some sort of liqueur. And then they have fruit to start with and Barak and Hetar are very impressed with the fruit. And then he talks about... Um, the meat will come in due time. Yeah, it sort of reminds <laughs> us about the days that we wandered and before, you know, all took us in his protection. And they, he talks about, uh, someone asks at Dernick that asks, where does the food come from? Mm-hmm. Of course, it was Dernick who asked that practical question. <laughs> and the Gorham sort of says, you know, well, they'd say that they gather wild fruit and wild game, but he long has suspected that they've cultivated fertile valleys and, you know, they keep livestock above the ground, but he allows them their deceptions. So he's kind of like this, you know, it's okay. It's not a, you know, that's mm. fine. It was actually Silk who asked the question. Oh, was it? Not Dernick, yeah. 
Really? Yeah. See, I would have expected Dernick to ask that question. Yeah, he says, where do you obtain such food in these caves, holy one? <laughs> maybe he's and still do, nervous. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I would have thought Dernick would... Um, well, Dernick, there here it says, Dernick raised a question that had oh, obviously been bothering him since yeah. he had entered the city. And he asks about the walls. Why are they all slanted or... Yeah. Why do they make everything crooked is how he asks it. Yeah. yeah. So the Garam sort of explains how all the walls are actually falling down, but since they're falling against each other, none of them can move. And I actually really like that notion. It's like stand together. Was it before? Alone. Was it before the show? I was talking about leaning into uh, like personal strengths, the way that we operate, rather than trying to. St it's a perfect metaphor. Rather than trying to to stay straight and square, mm -hmm. if you lean into something or lean into the support of friends or a group of people yeah i don't know there's there's some powerful strength in there mm -hmm. yeah i think so too you okay yeah i'm fine i'm just repositioning okay um <laughs> but i think that this shows what do you think of the gorum before i carry on with my I mean for me opinions. it was so brief it's so brief that uh, he seems like a very calming person to be around uh maybe he's not really a person completely oh, that's interesting but um yeah just kind of like another Gan Gandalf type I guess just mm, okay wise but more calm more wise yeah peaceful so it's just I just really like him. He's such a cool dude. Obviously holy as Garion has, you know, mm -hmm. Garion sort of reckons he's about the holiest person on earth. But um, with that, he doesn't feel rigid as shown by the, you know, I allow them their deceptions. Um, he's not like uh, rules for rules sake. He seems like a, uh, a compassionate, caring, yeah. moving with, you know, the flow of. I'll tell you who I visualize in my knowledge is like a Wayne Dyer kind of person. <laughs> exactly oh my goodness, that. that's really good. Exactly that's really that. good. Because Wayne Dyer is always like that too. And everything he talks in, in his books. Yeah, yeah. Just allow them... <laughs> Uh -huh. They are who they are. Allow it. Oh, to there be. we go. <laughs> More time allowing. We allow uh -huh. things to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so we get a lovely little recap of the story thus far because they tell the Gorham what's been going on above ground. Yeah. Um. So did this? It did this give you a really clear picture of all of the shenanigans so far with Zadar and? Yeah. It did. The orb and stuff. Because yeah, I know that that can get confusing. And then there's a, the child kind of threw me off. I couldn't remember what's the child. Who is this child again? Oh, okay. Well, remember. Um, okay, so 
when um, Ryback, Xanth, when Xantha, they're talking to Queen Xantha when they were in with the dryads. And she said, oh, we saw someone who looked like that, like Belgarath, a couple of weeks ago. There was a child with them. I remember at, that was the first point that we heard about the child and they've gone, Belgarath's gone, oh, that's how he did it. And then in here, I think Polgara mentions, she, she goes into further into the, the. He used a child to get the orb yes. is what he did. Yes. Because it, okay. does it say something about why that worked? I think it does. Uh, he's an innocent. Yes. So that's the point of the child. But we don't, we haven't met the child. We don't know the child. Okay. We just know that the child exists and this is, they suspect that this is how they obtained the orb. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then uh, that, that's how the Gorham figures out that they're, they're going to go to Rakthol to get. Yes. So uh, Tuchik has the child and the orb at Rakthol. Mm -hmm. And Zeda is with Torak in Kthol Mishrak in Valeria. Okay. And it says here that Zeda did that, took Torak away to keep Ktuchik from raising him with the orb. From raising Torak with the orb. Mm. So that's the reason that they give here as to why Zeta didn't hang around once Katuchik had the orb in his possession. He took off with Belgrad with um Belgrad <laughs> Torak. Okay. So that was a little bit more insight into that those characters, the baddies. Because I remember when I first read this that there were I, I'm like, there's two baddies. I don't understand. Who am I? Like, who's the bad baddie and who's the good baddie? I'm not. I was a bit confused when I first read it. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I'm like, still I trying to, to set to keep them separate. I'm still trying to piece it together a little bit, but I assume yeah. it'll come in time. Yeah. So, so basically, Zayda used to be a good guy, and he went over to the dark side because mm -hmm. he used to be like a, a brother sorcerer. So he's like Saruman. So he's like Saruman, yeah. Mm. Okay, that helps. <laughs> and 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 Ktuchik, he's 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 um Sauron all the way. Mm -hmm. Well, you mm. know. Yeah. If Sauron had a god, <laughs> then Ktuchik would be Sauron. Anyway, yep. Yeah, right. And then they talk about some prophecy. Did you like that? Uh, was it just part? confusing? Straight which... after, straight after when they were talking about, they used to choose a child and innocent. Mm -hmm. Straight after that, the Gorum gets all like mystical and says, ah, doesn't the prophecy say, and the child shall deliver up the birthright unto the chosen one. Mm. Why don't I remember any of this? <laughs> I don't know. It's right at the end of the chapter. It's like the last two pages. Okay. 
Did you get distracted? I don't think I know. Did I you float down. away? Were you glowing? <laughs> no, I know I read the end. I know I read the end. And they talk about the um, the Marin, the Doreen Codex and the Marin Codex. Yeah, I see that. Okay. So they're mm. the two prophecies that are referred to in here. The Doreen Codex talks about caves under Akthol. Okay. And the Marin, they bring up the, the, the codexes, codices? What's the plural? <laughs> I don't know. Um, because of the reference to the caves, because they need to go and go to uh, Rakthol to get the mm -hmm. orb, but mm -hmm. if they were to go over the overground, yeah. they would need a huge army and they would have to assault the Rakthol for you know a long time and it would be very hard and lots of people would die. Mm -hmm. But there's a way in, according to these codexes, through the caves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did read all that part. I just didn't, I didn't see that it was like a prophecy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Well, does it say, it may not, it might not, yeah, it does. The prophecy says blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then they talk about the codexes. Okay. Yeah, I just missed the connection that the they're referring to them as prophecies. Well, it's not as... specific. I don't think it specifically connects them. It just... Yeah. Yeah. So this is the point where they're leading up to the why they came here. Yes. Because so, they, in order to get through, because he talks about, somebody mentions it's, it would be difficult to maneuver through those underground mm -hmm. passages. And that, that's when Belgarath says that he would need a, a diviner mm -hmm. to help them do that. Mm -hmm. And so the um, Gorham, though, is like, like none of the diviners here would want to actually leave the caves. They're all because here. They're all... Yeah, they're all, it's, you know, it's their religion. And they're also all want to be the one to discover this child that's going to replace... Yes. So it's like so. diviner. Being a diviner makes them a holy, a holy man. It's a holy, a holy man. Because none of them are women. Whatever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you mm -hmm. know, having visibility makes them holy. And apparently, all of the worst zealots are. Uh, mystic you know all of the worst ones the the most disruptive ones that are making trouble they're all the diviners and they don't mm. want to leave because as you say they're waiting because they're all sure they're going to be the one to discover the next gorum yeah right and then this is where it gets interesting because um Belgrath's like, well, it might not be as hard as you think. The diviner I need is one named Relg. Did mm -hmm. you say it? Relg? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Relg, he's the worst of them. You know. <laughs> Yay! This will be good. <laughs> and, but he's like, you're still, they'll never persuade him to leave the caves. And mm -hmm. 
Um, Belgrass like, well, I don't think I'll have to because I didn't select him. The decision was made long before I was born. Just sent for him. Yeah, a long time. And Garam's like, well, I don't think he'll come. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll come even if we send for him. And Paul's like, well, he will. Won't know why, but he'll come. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that because it's a... Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel a lot of that in my life right now. Like, I don't know why, but I, I feel guided this way. So mm-hmm. I'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it can be scary to follow guidance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the end of the chapter. End of the chapter. What do you think of that chapter? You already I liked said what it. you thought at the start. Yeah, I, I liked like it a lot. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Have a drink. If you hear a clink, it's my crystal in my bottle. No clink. <laughs> okay. So. Magic. Magic, magic, magic. Mm. Okay, so my magic is that mysterious web of connection that Paul refers to when she says Relg will come. We won't know why he'll come, but he will come. Yeah. We won't know why he's agreeing to it. Mm-hmm. That's my magic. I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, I chose the 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 rocks. The, I don't know. I forget what they call it, but the dust of the rocks that you mix them together and they turn into that red glow. I just think that's so cool. That you know, nature can do something like that. It can well, provide a source of light aside from fire. It's all magic, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's all magic. Yeah, definitely. And so, real life relating. <laughs> Again, I that web of connection because mm. that is real to me. I see and feel that web of connection all the time. Yeah, all, all the time. It's a it it is a reality for me. Mm. No matter what I'm doing, I I see how it's connected to that, connected to that, connected to that, and it is it really is this web that splinters out from any single thing that I'm focused on, it splits out into like all of the possibilities and, and potentials and, and it's not just like things or people, it's ideas and that's just my world. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is my world pretty much too (laughs) so that's a good one um i chose my real life relating i really sympathize with silk and garyan because if i were under those rocks you know i i have claustrophobia a little bit i remember it started for me when i was a kid and i had a friend who thought it would be fun to have me lay on this large area rug and like roll me up into it like i was a burrito oh so I thought it was like a game at first, but then when it became my turn to do it, she sat on top of me, wouldn't let me get out, even though oh, I was no, saying, honey. I was saying, let me out, let me out. And she wouldn't. Saying I would be screaming. Yeah. Well, I was a quiet child. I, even in those moments, I had a hard time. I had a hard oh, time honey. speaking up and her parents were around. And so ever since then, I don't like small spaces. So I don't think I'd do well being under 
under a mountain. Even like. though the space is so huge, the darkness would be oppressive. Yeah. Yeah. And just the the air, I think, would Stillness, make me maybe. feel... I could feel like there's no movement. I don't like mm-hmm. it. I don't like it. So... Yeah, that's how my... Again, if any of our listeners have been in a space like that, tell us what it was like. I would love Mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Prophecy Speaks. Yay. change the question a little bit because I am I think getting a new desk Mm. and I think it's going to be a standing desk one that I can wind up and down which I think would be good and I feel like maybe it's like my original question was you know I've started my yin yoga practice I've been showing up on my mat every day feels really yummy but i've been caught before with my body giving me mixed signals like i was talking about before regarding what it can and can't tolerate and like i've hurt myself and then had to stop completely and so my first question was what do i need to be aware of as i continue this practice and then hanukkah got home and she's like we're talking about getting me this standing desk and that totally came out of the blue i'm like oh oh okay is this a is this something, you know, is this connected? Like these two things? I'm like, I said to her, I'm going to ask this question in prophecy in the show tonight. So <laughs> she just chuckled at me. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so I think my question is, how would having a standing desk support my yoga practice, if at all? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this connected? any you know guidance on the yoga practice itself like this in this whole thing how it fits together and is it all good is it like what's the what do i need how can i support myself you know yep so that it's all so that i keep feeling yummy because i like it And the book I've chosen to use today is called 27 Bones because I thought that was appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the cover. Look, I'll show you. Oh, nice. Is it? Uh, is this a fiction? Yeah, it's, um, it's a thriller. <laughs> Actually. It's a, okay, so it's probably like someone was murdered and there's 27 bones under the ground or something. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read it. <laughs> Um, but it's called 27 Bones. It's by Jonathan Nassau. Uh, but yes, yeah, so yoga practice, standing desk. How do I do it well? How do I don't do it well? What is, give me the, give me the skinny. When Mrs. Wagner returned, Penda was still standing. <laughs> <laughs> After you, he said, as if it were the type of, as if he were the type of gentleman 
who could never sit in the presence of a standing lady. Not true. He just needed to see where she was going to light first so he could set up his interview space accordingly. As he could have predicted, she sat on one of the sofas. He took the armchair so as to be at the optimum interviewing angle of 45 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so yes to the standing desk, basically. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my, oh my literally God. in the first line. <laughs> oh my God. Seriously, seriously, darling listeners. If you haven't tried doing a prophecy speaks reading for yourself, go and do it. <sighs> okay. Okay. Well, mine is how can I peacefully pull away from somebody who has been close in my life, a friend in my life, and who I still really care for and want the best for them. And I just know in that me being around them now I don't feel good because I'm moving in this direction they're staying in a place that I don't want to be mm-hmm. so when I'm around them I don't feel too well I start to feel yeah. like I can feel the friction of it being like you shouldn't maybe I don't want to be here so I definitely don't want to hurt the person and say I don't want to then like just straight out say I don't want to be around you anymore in any way yeah. So how can I, how can I pull away? Cause they still want to hang out and I'm just kind of like, but I don't know. This it, isn't home, is it? This is. No, this is not home. This is a friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just need some guidance. Like how can I feel good? And so she can feel good, but we kind of go our own ways. Hmm. Okay. I guess. <laughs> I'm using the fire starter sessions book by Danielle Laporte. <laughs> Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's all about finding your desire and how to follow it. Okay, cool. So we'll see what she's got. The thing about being afraid or in crisis mode is that we can get so spun out that we forget where the emergency exit or the ripcord is. Where's your bridge over troubled water? Who are you going to call? How do you spell relief? Lunch with your best friend, a visit to church, a call with your mastermind group, a few laps in the pool, silence. Make a list of your soul vitamins so you can mentally or literally refer to it when the going gets rougher than tough. Uh, When I do the following, I am guaranteed to feel close to 100% improved, lighter and focused. Oh, so she's having... She's telling you to write that down and then write down what you would do. As for downing a carton of cookie dough ice cream, drunk dialing your former flame, sneaking a smoke in the airplane bathroom, watching Jean Simon's family jewels reruns instead of going to yoga class and all manners of vengeful vandalism, let's put that comfort list in its place. Okay. So this is kind of like an exercise page. That's mm-hmm. called the comfort zoning worksheet. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like in the first line. The thing about being afraid or in crisis mode is that we can get so spun out, we forget where the emergency exit or the ripcord is. Because mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I feel. It feels, you know what it feels me, like? Yeah, yeah, go on. No. To me, I feel that sense is describing her, which is why I feel the, I feel that when I'm with her, because it's like, I'm like, just because she's like that. So you feel spun out of control and you can't remember where the exit is when you're with her? No, I don't feel that. I just, I, I observe her feeling that. And there's just not a, a mutual ground anymore where I can try to offer her some comfort. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not accepted because she's choosing to just continue in that way like oh no no mm -hmm. no 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 i have to this is why the way it is and all of this is happening it's going to keep happening this way it's just my life kind of response mm -hmm. so as far as how to peacefully do this i'm not too sure okay um, so I can I say? Yeah. So it feels like in as much as she's, that's how you observe her when you're with her. She's spinning out of control. And what I'm seeing with you in the asking of this question and your response is that you are forgetting where the exits are and making things maybe more complicated than they need to be. Mm. rather than sitting back and allowing maybe you could employ some of those practices in this situation mm -hmm. so you know you you get to choose where you put your time where yeah. you spend your time yeah you get to choose that and you don't like there's no requirement for you to lay out your life and say this is why I'm doing what I'm doing no I guess I yeah I guess I'm just thinking ahead as I know there'll be a moment I'll get the text like hey want to do this and this and this and I'm gonna have to be like well you know no, thanks <laughs> that's that's the hard what the hardest and the easiest thing to say mm -hmm. no thanks that's it. Yeah. Okay. It's a hard, it's a practice, Madonna. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's an easy one. But, no. But it's, it is that, you know, that's grace. Do you want to do this? No, thanks. Why not? Oh, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's it's the courage of just stating the truth rather than saying, well, making yes. an excuse. Yes. And 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 that is a lot easier than you think it is once you do it the first time. You do mm -hmm. it the first time and it's like, oh well, 
The world didn't stop spinning. I'm still standing upright. And I feel kind of powerful. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because that's my boundary. And yeah, okay. And the people who get fussy about you stating your boundaries are the reason we have boundaries. Yeah. I know yeah. that this is all stuff you've heard. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just need to mm -hmm. hear it again in a different kind of context. Right. I know. I just had that situation happen with the other person in my life and I had to tell him about that's your viewpoint you know like yesterday I had to say because he wanted to talk further about it and I just said I decided I don't want to talk about it anymore <laughs> that's what I said and he was fine he's like okay well I said I'm I'm gonna actually go and spend some time out today I decided I don't want to talk about it anymore and his response was like I'm glad you're going to spend time outside because it's a beautiful day <laughs> so that's fine. nice so it was fine yeah so yeah I can see the truth in it you know yeah now it's just with somebody else and it's it's coming up though you see that like with my dad I was just and... gonna say all of this using your voice in different ways in more intimate and um yeah like I've always observed over the years I've observed that the lessons that we have are cyclical and mm -hmm. it's not that the less the lessons are one and done. No, yeah. there are certain lessons that come around and come around, but it's not the same. The court, the spiral gets closer and closer and more intimate each on each cycle. Yeah. We're required to come at it with different perspective from our, the inside of ourselves each time. Mm -hmm. And we are we are different in each iteration. It's a very um that's been my observation anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Cool. So that's pretty good prophecy, I think. Yeah. You happy with that? Not quite. You keep no, getting hard, you keep like getting, oh god, I've got to do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it doesn't feel that hard. It's just I just really don't ever want to make her feel hurt because I would never want to do that. And I feel like if I say no thanks, she's going to be hurt. You know what? That's not up to you, honey. I know. You don't get to choose how she feels. You just get I to know. choose what you do. I know. I know all this, but it's still. I know. It's, a, it's again, I know I'm <laughs> preaching to you. It's, this is not anything you wouldn't say to someone else who might be in the same situation, but I'm saying it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the cool thing is, like I say, the other uh, instances I've had to use my voice recently when I did, it actually turned out really well. It doesn't turn out the way you imagine it will a lot of the time. I know. <laughs> We're not very generous in our imaginings of ourselves. No. And I'm working on changing that right now. Too, I know. So. This is all part of that. Yeah, it is. Abundance doesn't equal money. Abundance equals flow of energy. And this is part of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like that, that book I was telling you about. They also have a moment where they say, 
that the point of coming here and you chose to come here into this form, but the point wasn't for the manifestations themselves, which are fun when they come as you want them to. The point to come was to create the flow of energy because you know that that's the purpose of the universe and you are the universe. So you came here in this body to be able to create a flow of energy mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. And have and that then, experience in a different way. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose. That is what abundance is, not the manifestations mm-hmm. themselves. Correct. Yeah. Correct drives me nuts when people talk about manifesting and they just don't get it Mm -hmm. right anyway so that's that so So what's the prediction for the next chapter How'd you go last week? (laughs) Let's see. Inside the caves, we'll get to see the Orgos and have some fun interaction or interesting interaction, I think you said. The last member of their party will be waiting here. That was last week. Yeah. That was wrong. I mean, they are getting a new member of the party, I guess, but not the one. That's the one they're waiting for is female. But, um... Yeah, so it's, it's okay. I said next week prediction we'll get to meet the diviner. I think that's pretty safe to say. This relg. Mm-hmm. Is it relg? Is it? Yep, relg. Okay. And uh, they're going to, I think they'll spend some more time in the case to maybe have a rest before they leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe to have some more insight. We can see more interactions with the Olgos. Mm hmm. And I think Silk might just crack a little bit before they Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that would be fun. I think that would be fun to watch. Well, that would be a good chapter. I look forward to seeing if that happens. Yeah. Okay. We're at the end of the show. Listeners, yes. darling, darling, darling. Thank you for hanging out with us for another episode. I was I was nodding my head like they're gonna see me doing that. Well, some of them do if they watch the videos. <laughs> like we say, you you'll feel my energy in agreement with Sandra. Yes, <laughs> the any, silent. Any, any silences? That's an, that's the least you're nodding my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny when I'm editing the show. There's lots of silences in the end, and very softly, Alicia. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's usually how I do it. Uh, so, like, if you listen, if you listen to the um, just the show that gets put out, the public show, there's not so many long silences because I edit them out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's long, thoughtful there. silence. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Anyway. So, thank you for listening, joining us. If you want to come and play with us on Patreon, you don't have to be a paying patron. Everybody is welcome. We have transitioned to Patreon from Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is our platform of choice now. 
that's where we're having all of our conversations and it's really fun there's we're having some fun conversations over there and if you would like to throw in the hashtag rock light into any comment or conversation that you make that would be a lot of fun mm -hmm. so you will still find all the extended show notes on our website which is belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Head on over there. You can sign up to our mailing list. And then come on over to Patreon after you've had a look at all of the weird and wonderful extra bits and pieces I put in the show notes. And, um, you know, let us know how, you know, make a comment about the episode or chuck the hashtag in and just be silly or you know, introduce yourself. You are welcome. Mm -hmm. You just, you know, click on the link to Patreon forward slash Belgarid and beyond. Click that link and scroll down the page. At the top of the page, it'll say, you know, give you options to join. But if you just scroll down, you'll see the public posts that I would have normally put on Facebook or Instagram. And you can you can make a comment in there. You can join the conversation. So we would love to see you there. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the ogre post last week or later, <laughs> it's fun, earlier it? this week, whenever it was. Yeah, <laughs> sexy awesome. ogre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because remember last week I talked about imagining crawl, <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a fun conversation. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, you can always email us belgariadandbeyond at gmail .com got any questions or comments or just want to say hi but the Bulgarian and Beyond podcast is an indie production and the best way for you to show your support is to become a patron you can get access to bonus episodes of before the show which where it, with raw wide ranging array of topics and <laughs> you know yes weirdness right. and wisdom uh, or if you become a $5 patron, you can get full uncut video episodes of everything and see Alicia <laughs> nodding. <laughs> Among other things you might see. Yeah. So, you know, check out the show notes and hope to see you in our playtime and Patreon soon. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> Otherwise... We'll be back next week, my darlings. Yep. I'll see you guys next week. Now I'm going to be aware every time you say yep. <laughs> She's smiling and nodding. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, oh. next we'll be back next week, guys. Yes. <laughs>